Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 153, Catching the Light. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. Thank you for letting me into your lives. And I just want to make a small correction from last podcast on prophecies. I mentioned the younger Dryas as being 12,500 BC when I meant to say 12,500 years ago, which makes it 10,500 BC. Phew, now I've made that correction. And that's typical of my Virgo Ascendant. So I'm talking about Virgo today because we have a new moon in Virgo, 6th and 7th of September coming up. And some of you may know your own Virgo energy. Like me, you may have an Ascendant or a Sun or a Moon or Mars or just feel that you have a lot of Virgo in you. And how do you know? Because you notice when a picture is not straight on a wall. Okay, put your hand up if that's you. Certainly me. Knowing a picture is not straight, or maybe I move the cushions on my chairs just to make them look very beautiful. And that may annoy other people. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, with my Virgo Ascendant, I always feel better when things are aligned, when things are beautiful. And we often are seen as perfectionists and therefore, as I say, a little bit of a pain in the neck. But what I always want to say is, no, it's not that I care about the picture not being straight. It's more that I know what perfection is. And that my eye, my sense of balance is far greater when everything is in its perfect state. There we are. Now I've (laughs) re-translated the way of looking at perfectionism. But the fact of the matter is, this is what this new moon is showing. It's showing us that we know when something's not quite right. And we know what will need to happen to bring it into the balance, the peacefulness, the harmony. And that sense of knowingness is what Virgo's about. And that knowingness isn't in the head, is it? Well, even though Virgo has a tendency to overthink everything, yes, we do. (laughs) Overanalyze everything, yes, we do. It's often initially a body sense, an inner knowing. And even if you don't think you've got Virgo in your chart, if you know that inner knowing, then you probably are knowing what I'm talking about because it's a sense of my energy just needing to be realigned or me finding my environment just needing to change a little bit so I can feel in balance. We're often described as wanting clean toilets and clean sinks and yet I put my hands up to that as well. It's not because I have a problem with bacteria or infections, it's just again, it's a sense of balance. And I used to be told off by my mother because I would make judgments too quickly. She'd say, oh, you shouldn't judge people on the first feeling you get of them. 
and being a good daughter, an obedient daughter, I listened to her and I gave people a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And on the sixth chance, my intuition said, no, actually, you were right on the first chance. Ever had that? Because I knew. And it wasn't a judgment. It was a knowing. It was a knowing that being around this person or being around this environment, was I able to find my own balance there? And over the years, obviously growing up and no longer being a child, I've been able to find a balance even around energies that are not in harmony with me. Not judging them, just choosing how I can be around those energies without them disturbing my own equilibrium. Some of you might say, well, that sounds very judgmental. No, it's no different from choosing certain foods I want to eat or wanting to be around certain colors or wanting to be around certain shapes. I don't think that that's a judgment. It's why wouldn't I resonate with those things that bring me harmony and nurturing? So the lowest level of Virgo is criticism, judgment. And, you know, I'm not going to say that that hasn't, doesn't happen to me. But the highest level is compassion. And compassion is not, oh, I'm going to just love you, whoever you are. But we're going to find a space, a compassion. We're going to work together to find that space where we can both be ourselves and live in harmony. And that's what love is. Sometimes that space needs to be a very big space. <laughs> Sometimes that space doesn't need to be big. Sometimes we just need to be honest in that space of compassion, don't we? Just to say, I appreciate you, I appreciate your opinions and your way of being, but it's not the space I wish to be in. That's compassion. So Virgo at this time is not about judgment. It's about how do we live together? How do we find that balance? And knowing that there is a balance, we know what that perfect space is. We just have to work at it like any good relationship. And I just want to come back to that inner knowing. I think the best example of that Virgo energy, when Virgo, as you may see, if you've ever seen a chart, is this M with a curly bit on it. And to me, that curly bit is very much a feminine energy. It is the Vesica Pisces, and you've heard me speak about this before, where two or more energies come together, both of them admiring and, and uh, embodying their own essence. But again, how do we, as if we're two rings coming together, and that Vesica Pisces is that space, that, that oval that we create where two circles come together. How can I be in my center and yet be in relationship with you and together create this third energy, which is that oval, that beautiful Vesica Pisces. So when you look at the M with a little curl on it or the little oval shape on it, which is Virgo, it's really saying this is the Vesica Pisces. This is compassion in action. <laughs> okay, so knowing that it says, the Vesica Pisces says, start with being in our own center. So when we're in our own center and we draw a circle around ourselves, that is the beginning of the Vesica Pisces. And we ask someone else to be in their center, draw a circle around themselves, and we come together and we create that perfect oval. In other words, I can't find compassion when I'm not in my own center, when I'm not living in my own truth, when I'm not, in a Virgo way, being in my perfect state. 
perfect is not the way we like to see it, you know, perfection, I've reached a goal. Perfect state is being in that state where everything is flowing in harmony. Every part of me is connected. That's being in my center. So when I'm in that center, then I can find that place of true compassion with anything I meet. So coming back to that, what is the best example of this Virgo energy is Athena. And some of you may know the mythology of Athena. And some people would always describe her as being armored with a sword and choosing you know, whether we go to war. But that wasn't who Athena was. Athena is actually called Pallas Athena. And she is a much older goddess than the time of the Greeks and the Romans. She's a very ancient goddess, and her, her inner knowing is her, her energy, the wisdom. She often has an owl. She has this symbolism of wisdom, knowledge, knowing. Pallas Athena was often chosen to be the one that could actually make decisions not based on personal needs. She could be detached enough to make honest decisions. And so her wisdom came from her body. And I know that some of you say, oh, I don't listen to my body. Well, I suggest you start listening to your body because I have to say your body is far more objective and detached <laughs> than our mind can be. And honestly, when we as Virgo, anybody who's got Virgo energy starts thinking, we're, <laughs> we're out of our body, we're out of our mind. Because it's very rarely that if you've got Virgo energy, do we ever think nice thoughts, isn't that true? Nice thoughts about ourselves. If only I hadn't done that. Oh, I don't deserve this. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. I'm, all of these are kind of Virgo tendencies. If only I'd done differently. I'd only been better. So most of that Virgo chatter is very downing on ourselves, very mean. <laughs> and sometimes I will say to myself or to say someone else who's got Virgo energy is, if you can't think nice thoughts about yourself, don't think them at all. In other words, this is not a time to take things personally. But if we listen to our body at times like that, there's an honest truth. There's an honesty, an honest truth, but a sense of really raw honesty. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Well, it might not be comfortable, but it's true. Yes? So our body is the, is the honest friend that we need always, not our heads. Our heads will either beat up on us or try and make everything nice. And I'm talking to the, the Librans out there, anybody who's got Libran energy always wanting to see it from several points of view and almost overthinking it again. So here we have Athena, who originally was just about body wisdom. And her body wisdom was that inner knowing, that, that first raw honesty that I used to have as a child. And then my mother told me not to, you know, think, she said, think first before you act. Well, actually, now I listen to my body and I act from there much better than I do from my mind. So. What happened was that when the Greeks came along, she knew that this body-centered intuition would not be acceptable. And so she ended up becoming swallowed inside her mother and her birth occurred because Zeus, her father, who had a headache, found a woodcutter to chop off the top of his head and out came Athena fully armored. So here, that's what happened was Athena now was armored. She armored her body, armored her head. If you see any images of her, fully armored. 
And the only type of intuition that she knew would be would survive the patriarchy of the Greeks and Romans was head-based intuition. Okay, so any of you listening may understand this, that uh, my training as a doctor, yes, there was a lot of intuitive training, thank goodness. But I had to learn to also work with facts, not just intuition. Because if I just said, I don't trust, my, my gut tells me something, it wouldn't be listened to. So I had to back it up with some facts. And fortunately, I was always in a situation where my lovely consultants also listened to their intuition, men and women. So we were in that setting, but it's not a setting now that is allowed. You have to back it up with facts. And unfortunately, it depends on where those facts have come from. So I want us to understand that we are returning to the true Athena energy. And this aligns very nicely to this new moon because new, the new moon is actually trine Uranus and Taurus. Uranus, new ways of doing things, something, Taurus, the body, nature. So to me, this new moon is really saying return to the body or start listening to the body or start listening to your body as to what you want to eat, what you want to put into your body or how you want to be around nature. And nature is definitely coming to us at this time because there's so much more energy around. And this is why I decided on this title for this podcast, Catching the Light, because it felt that I'm starting to see, and some of you might have seen this, things out the corner of your eyes. Yesterday I was convinced that I was seeing someone every time I looked down at something and then I kept seeing something come past my window. Have you noticed more and more things out the corner of your eyes? So as I have described before, the light, let's call them light beings rather than spirit beings, but light beings, in other words, those who are not fully permanent in a physical form like we are, a three-density form. So there's more and more light beings, beings who can travel in light or, or are light, or are traveling in their light body. They're more and more coming into us at this time, this time of compassion. This is truly the, the age of compassion. This cosmic energy is bringing us closer to who we are without judgment. So these light beings are using plasma. Plasma is ether, the energy of ether, which is a combination or the synthesis of all the other elements. And the light beings literally imprint themselves into this ether or plasma and become a physical form just for a moment. And in that physical form, we catch it out the corner of our eye. And so we may see, as I'm doing, seeing more hawks or hummingbirds or beautiful clouds or beautiful sunsets, things that are happening, maybe not so much the sunsets, but the clouds are suddenly appearing or the hummingbirds are appearing. And I think, was that there before or did it suddenly appear? Did I see the beginning of it? Did I see it fly across my garden or was it suddenly there? And it reminds me of when I was swimming with the dolphins. I could see for miles around me because of the beautiful clear waters of Hawaii. And I think, wow, there's no dolphins. And then there would be a dolphin right in front of me. And then the dolphin would disappear. And I, I want to let you know that was a physical dolphin. But this was really a light being that it imprinted itself into that light or plasma energy, excuse you, into the plasma energy or ether, had become physical, taken on that physical shape, played with me for a while, and then disappeared. 
So this light energy is happening more and more. And I want you to catch that light. And why I wanted to relate that to Virgo is that the Virgo energy actually sees through the mask of imperfection. In other words, I think our eyes are waking up, our, our retinas are seeing things that bring more harmony, more perfection to us. And we're no longer being willing to actually work with those things that are in the dark or we are seeing into the dark and no willing, no more longer willing to accept them, maybe as a better way of me saying. Again, it's not judgment, it's just saying that is not in harmony with my soul and choose not to work with that energy. All right, so it's like that picture not being straight. You can choose to straighten it or you can choose to say, this is never gonna get straightened, I'm choosing not to be around it. And I think we're seeing that in our relationships, seeing that in our attitudes with other people. Nothing's going to change. That picture is never going to be straight or that we're not going to see things from the same angle anymore. Is that right? There's a, okay, you know, even if I, I'm asking you to straighten your thinking, but I don't think you will and I don't think I can actually see things from your point of view anymore. I can't work with a perception that is not in harmony with me anymore. That's what I'm speaking about. So things are changing. And I really remembered and, and have always known that the highest levels of healing are light, sound, and sacred geometry. And we are seeing much more of that. This is again why I was thinking about light and I, I want to share something with you about light and how it's being used at the moment. But more and more things are coming to light. And I remembered that I was told that in Japan after the Nagasaki war, uh, bomb was let off or the Hiroshima bomb was uh, let off, that when the invasions happened, it wasn't just to say, ah, oh, we have bombed these people. It was far more that I understood that there were certain things that the troops were told they had to go and collect once they got inside Japan. And I heard that same story that certain scrolls or certain seals or certain parchments had been hidden for thousands of years in caves. And that soon after the Iraqi wars started, there was this searching for bin Laden within caves. But it made me think, are you really searching for a person or are you searching for things? Are you searching for very old texts that either teach us about who we are or maybe even be texts about how we can create, uh, invent things, mechanical or engineering equipment based on ET technology? And I think that if you look at where we have invaded last time or a couple of times ago, I talked about how there was a great interest in special minerals, trait minerals, gold, silver, copper. But I think there's also a great interest in finding the secrets of humanity, finding the secrets of who we are. And not just, oh, I'm a star being, although I think that's a pretty big message. I think it's also got about there are, there are wisdoms and technologies and connection to the stars that are far beyond what my little mind can think of today. 
it's like there's so much knowledge out there. And when I look at the sacred sites, which I'm looking at more and more, I can't believe that someone would spend hundreds of years or even a hundred years or 10 years building these amazing sites just because certainly you didn't do these to bury someone, but even just to leave someone, oh, look at us, we built this. These sites were built with specific technology, sound technology, geometry, ability to understand the earth energies. I think that's the future for us, is how we bring together the light, the sound, the geometry, the understanding of what this means to have sustainable energy, true sustainable energy. But it's part of our mythology and our technology that's coming. So there's that's come to light. I think whatever else is coming to light, which is kind of interesting, is as many of you have been following what's been happening with the vaccines, especially in Israel, where so many people have been vaccinated, that the vaccine levels or the antibody levels, excuse me, are falling off after several weeks or months. And now there is a need to give people boosters to keep those antibody levels up. Sadly, they're now saying that if you have low antibody levels in Israel and you've only had two jabs until you have that third jab, you will not be, be given the safety pass. So in other words, people who have had two jabs are now being seen as unvaccinated. They now need the third jab. I can see this happening more and more. I also know that people who have had natural immunity, which nobody's talking about and nobody's interested in, which is probably 50% of the population, actually are carrying an immunity that is much longer, antibodies last much longer, and the T-cell immunity is much stronger. And we want to hear more about T-cell immunity and what is really happening when we hear that the cases are increasing. Again, I don't want to go too far down there, but I feel we, we again, we need to bring this to the light. We, I want to understand. I want to understand what is considered immunity. And I do know what that is from a medical point of view, but I, I want to see that from other people's point of view. We all want the best immunity that we can have. And I was surprised again to see that in LA County, in California, there was a decision by the CDC that had made the opinion that if you develop any COVID or you were hospitalized or you had any symptoms after the vaccine, you were actually considered unvaccinated until 14 days after your first vaccine. In other words, if you developed any symptoms before 14 days after having your first vaccine, you would be considered unvaccinated. So we are putting that huge group of people who might get sick soon after the vaccine into the unvaccinated group and therefore saying, aha, look, it's the unvaccinated who are getting sick. It's not true. I just feel I want that to be brought to the light. It, it feels that we're not stupid. People are not stupid. Let's, if everything is so cut and dry, or I should say clear and safe, why do we have to play around with numbers? I don't understand that. For me as a doctor, and I still consider myself a doctor, most important thing is what can I do to help this person? Not to help statistics, not to help someone else's funding of their project. Let's, let's be clear, the, the most important thing is how do I help the person in front of me? And as we all know, the Hippocratic growth says, first do no harm. 
that's got to be the oath in which we take. And the oath in which I swore to, I would always say to myself, whatever happened, I would do the very best in the moment, but I would stand by my oath. First, do no harm. And that's what I believe in. And so my final piece here is very much about a new way of looking or using light. And some of you may have come across this. I have been very interested in light and color for a long time. I've, I've done a lot of color therapy. And I understood that, first of all, back in the Egyptian times, people would be treated by color, by the sun coming through the stained glass window and on a particular ray of light, so it might be red, I would wheel my patient in if they needed more red to their body to bring healing. And then as the sun moved, it would come over orange and I'd wheel my patient in who needed more orange. I mean, we know that color therapy has been used. Phototherapy has been used for babies who have jaundice. We know blue light works for babies with jaundice. And recently we've been using far more color therapy in areas where we could put a light sensitive protein, an opsin into the body and then shine light on that area. And that would then change that cell that was under the light. But we'd already placed something in the body that was so light sensitive that it would actually react with the light. And these are called opsins or luminopsins. And so this idea of using color or light to heal has been around for some time. But back in, I think it was 2013, 2016, the whole idea of optogenetics came into alignment. So it wasn't just that we could put something in that was light sensitive and then shine a light on it and, and healing would happen. We were going to genetically engineer something so that the body would take this deeply into itself. And some people have looked at the, the present day drugs and vaccines that are being used as ways of getting such a light sensitive energy into the body. And I would just ask you to consider that this is another form of genetic engineering that is possible. Some of you may have come across a product called Luciferus, which is an enzyme that helps to bind that light sensitive energy to the light itself. And the best way I could describe this is to actually just read you this little abstract because I, I knew I wasn't gonna just be able to speak about it. So this is how it's described. Optogenetics uses pulses of light to alter an animal's behavior by taking advantage of light sensitive ion conductance regulators called microbial opsins, which convert a photo of a light into an electrical signal. By using genetics to express opsins in particular neurons, scientists can control the activation or suppression of neurons with pulses of light and measure the resulting behavior changes in an animal. Now, this is happening, my friends, and you can look it up for yourself. So if we can use something like an opsin, and opsins come from a, a protein that can come from a plant or, or jellyfish, I understand, and you can then inject them or allow them somehow to get into the body. You can move them into especially the skin, the eyes, the neurons, and then you can know that that opsin will now become like an electrical charge and it will have an effect 
on wherever it is. And it will have an effect on the cell wherever it is. And the cell may be a nerve cell, it may be a skin cell, etc. I suggest you look at this a little bit more yourself. Because one of the pieces of this was that it was going to create, by injecting this in, you were creating a new receptor site on the cell membrane. This is probably what I want to just really stress. You've heard me talk about how the receptor sites are like a lock on a door. And if you've got the lock there, the receptor site to a certain virus or to a certain be belief, when that belief is stimulated, then a lot key effect happens and your genes will react in a certain way or your cell will react in a certain way. Let's put it that way. In other words, if I believe that, um, <laughs> I don't know, if I believe that I'm uh, not, not good enough, I'm my Virgoness, when someone says, oh, Christine, you're not good enough, that's the key that fits in my lock and I go into despair that I'm not good enough. All right. That's what I'm meaning. You just need the stimulus, which is the key, the belief that's at the receptor site. And off I go into my, oh, there we go. I told you I wasn't good enough. Virgo energy. All right. But these are receptor sites that are being uh, injected in that are specific to, to just, it's literally implanting a receptor site that will allow a certain key to fit into it, which when that happens, this opsin, this receptor, this, this light sensitive energy will then be switched on and then affect the DNA. I hope I'm explaining this properly. And I think that whether this is happening, uh, again, I'm, I have no doubt it is happening. But the fact of the matter is, I'm looking at people's behaviors. So I just wanted to come back to their belief systems on their receptor sites, all right, my receptor sites. And it seems to be certain belief systems are really being triggered at this time. And I wonder it's because of, of drugs or, or injections or even light. It's been seen that you can then flash this light at people at different frequencies, different colors, and you will set these opsins off to have a, a behavioral effect. And when that happens, I'm watching people and I'm thinking sometimes I watch people and they're so enraged by any other belief that is theirs, that, you know, they almost go overboard. It's like, okay, okay, I'll take your belief. But it's almost like people are stuck on some belief or, or just stuck in some behavior or stuck in, you know, as I've said before, uh, I don't trust people, I don't trust people, I don't trust people. And it's like, wow, where did that come from? That wasn't there two years ago. Or I'm going to die, I'm going to die. It's like, okay, you know. So there's something happening that I think is intensifying the action of one trigger to a belief system and it's really making people become more mm, uh, determined to hold on to a belief and therefore their action beliefs lead to actions lead to emotional reactions really being triggered now i'm not saying it's good or bad it, you know maybe we, we all need a wake-up call maybe this is part of the wake-up call which is like come on you know what do you believe act on it <laughs> But I come right back to my lovely Athena that says, I think it's important that whatever's happening, whatever receptor site is being triggered at this time, for whatever reason and how it's being triggered, come back to our center. Come back to our most loving state within ourselves. 
come back to a state of, okay, knowing I'm perfect at this moment, because we all are perfect in so We don't have to do one thing to be perfect. We are here now. I'm perfect. I'm loved. I'm connected to wholeness. Knowing that to be true, what reaction? No, I shouldn't even say it. What action? What behavior do I wish to take from here? And I, I want to finish on that. I believe a lot of things are being triggered. Some of them are being triggered so that we can wake up and take, a, take accountability for our actions in the past. Some things are being triggered that are out of alignment to our way of usual acting, come back to our center. So please use this beautiful new moon as a way of saying, knowing I'm perfect, knowing I don't need to do anything to change myself in this moment, knowing I'm loved, how do I wish to come out into the world? How does my light want to shine? And with that, I send lots of love and blessings to you, my friends. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of HeartSpeak.